On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Ollie. And Ollie was raised by a controlling, manipulative mother. It's a story of facades, emotional abuse, common enemies, hypervigilance, kernels of truth, and sibling relationships. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, we have Ollie. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. And if you want to be a guest on our show like Ollie is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that Guest Form button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also at our website, we are creating a new initiative and we're going to be creating this web page where survivors, if you're out of the relationships or you're currently in these relationships or you're maybe in a family situation, we want to help put money in your pockets. So we're creating a page where you can leave your business on this page and we're going to do our best to get people to start using your services or your business or if you have an eBay store, shop from you as well. So if you're a copywriter, if you are a graphic designer, you have an Etsy store, an eBay store, you might be a real estate agent, any type of business that you have and you want to be part of this initiative, we want to help you get business, help you get money to squirrel money away to get out of the situation you're in, and then also help people put a roof over their head and food on the table. So if you want to be part of this initiative, please do email us at NarcissistApocalypse.gmail.com and put survivor business in the subject line. And please do send those in and we thank you in advance. And today you are going to hear Ollie's story. It is a family story. And Ollie's mom was someone who is verbally abusive, controlling, manipulative. And this story is interesting because the kids in this story, Ollie's siblings, they are far apart in age. So everyone's kind of going through their thing in a little bit of like their own little cone because of the age difference that it's going on. So everyone's having their own experiences at different times. So I really want to thank Ollie for being our guest today. I'm now going to get out of my way and your way. Ollie, the floor is now yours. Okay, so I guess I'll start kind of with my mom's upbringing um, and like her background to set the scene. So um, my mom grew up with a younger sister and then two half-brothers that she had no relationship with. My mom's background kind of changes a lot depending on what stories she's telling at the time. But what I can gather as the truth from what my aunts told me and what my um, grandparents told me is that my mom um, was pretty intelligent growing up. Um, She was pretty, it was a stable household, sometimes unstable depending on the day. Her father was adopted, so he had a lot of attachment issues. Um, He didn't really bond with my mother. And then uh, my grandmother had OCD. 
So this kind of made it hard for my mom to stay in the house. So she got married very young um, to her first husband. Then she um, got engaged again and then twice more before she met my father. And then um, she had myself and my younger brother. So Ollie does have three siblings in total, a younger brother who shares the same father as her. And then she has two older siblings, a sister and a brother who have a different father than her. So uh, my older siblings, my oldest sister is nine years older than me. So there's quite the age gap between us. And then my younger brother is six years younger than me. So I have a sister who is in her 30s and a brother who's still in high school. So we've all kind of had to go through realization of what our household is separately. My oldest brother, I don't really have a relationship with him, which I can kind of contribute to my mom. So whenever my parents uh, were married and I was a child, like small child, um, they were fighting all the time. And so my mom would constantly tell my older brother, you, you know, we could be a happy family, but now I can't get divorced because Ollie was born. And um, this kind of just caused us to never really have any type of relationship. Even in childhood, we just kind of would walk by each other in the hallway. And my older sister kind of took on the motherly role, I would say, at an early age. Um, she was in high school with a newborn baby in the house. And um, my mom was out of the house constantly. And so I think that didn't really help my siblings relationship get closer because we were all kind of at different ages. Some kids were being stuck taking care of the younger kids. And uh, my father was gone during this time because he was in Afghanistan. And then after that, he had a traveling job. So, um, you know, with my brother, he, I don't know, we just never really had a relationship. My sister and I had an okay relationship, which got better when um, I became an adult. And my younger brother has kind of had to go through the worst of it. Um, and I can really feel for him because while we had each other, I like per se, we had each other growing up. He kind of just went through it all alone after I left. So, um, but I mean, my oldest siblings kind of had the most to do with me realizing that my mom might be a narcissist. Um, when my sister first went no contact, I was slightly confused because her and my mom had gotten into a fight about um, childcare and things like that. But it was just kind of out of the blue and what I thought was like normal in a family fighting and, um, you know, people are divided and I like mom, I like dad, you know, but when you get older, you realize that's not really normal. So, um, yeah, so my sister was the first one to go completely no contact, which made me kind of open my eyes and say, you know, what is the problem here? Why can't we all get along? Like, why, how can you just completely cut a parent off? So we'll circle back to your sister going no contact. But when it comes to how you grow up, what were the first types of toxic things that your mother was doing to you as a child? So um, when I was young, I was a chubbier kid. So, um, but my older siblings weren't. So my mom put me on, I don't know if anyone's aware with it, the South Beach diet when I was maybe seven brought a lot of like shame around food. And I don't know if this was because um, it was like a representation of herself. She didn't want like a, a chubbier kid. And of course, like that went away with age. It was just, you know, some people are 
chubbier children, I guess, but things like that. And she wouldn't like list me and like these rigorous swim camps and things like that while my siblings would have normal summers. And I mean, I guess maybe she was just doing her best. But when I look back, I think it was unfair. And a lot of this has to do with like my mom's obsession with um, like looking perfect to everyone else. So poor sense of self of myself because she would tell me, oh, I was a double zero in high school and I was a model and a singer and an actress and a cheerleader and blah, blah, blah. So it's like you have to live up to those standards while having to fit her standards of you have to be this certain way. You have to present this way in public. Everyone has to think we're an amazing family. But when you get older, you realize, you know, how many things can one person be? And I don't know if she was actually any of those things or if she just had a vision of what she wanted us to look like the family while we were really just like broken on the inside. So how do you internalize this at this time and what behaviors uh, start happening within you because of this? When I started getting to my teens, um, those behaviors that my mom had taught me, like you can't eat fruit, you can't eat drink soda. That's not like Coke Zero or diet soda. Um, so like all these like weird restrictions started going into my adulthood and early teens. And I actually, um, became vegan, which led to an eating disorder, um, that followed me up until maybe 17 or 18. And now I have a much better relationship with food, but I still have a whole list of like things that I won't eat because in my mind, for some reason, they're unhealthy and that I need to, you know, even like numbers on the scale. If I don't, I suppress this number, then I'm overweight. And I have to immediately start to fix that. So you wrote me that your mom was very verbally abusive and that she was also a storyteller, that you actually don't really know what is true a lot of the time and what isn't true. So walk us through this part of your childhood. Okay, so there is so many stories. And now when I talk to my um, older sister about it just it, it makes us laugh because the fact that we even believe these stories like even into like my like early adulthood I still believe them until I was starting to find the gaps in it so some of the things my mom would tell us was um, that she was the captain of her cheerleading squad her best friend was a princess she had a driver who takes her around and took my mom around um, my mom said that she was engaged to millionaires um, she was a model that she did uh, musical theater and she would be the lead in every play. So many things that she, um, before she met my dad, she has this like whole like romantic trope that before she met my dad, um, she was going to move to Europe and run, like run away basically and live this lavish life because her work was promoting her. My dad actually worked in the same company and he disproved all of this and said that absolutely no, that was true. And I think where the disparities like started to really show was when she told us that all of her pictures of her doing these things were burned by another family member who was jealous of her. But growing up, hearing those stories, you constantly think, okay, um, you know, my mom's so great. Like, why don't I have these? Why am I not a model or an actress or a singer? Like, and you just have this like standard to live up to. And even like helping people. My mom, I think she's I actually listened to one of your podcasts where he went through describing all of the different narcissistic types. And the helpful, the helpful narcissist is definitely exactly my mom. Um, she told us that she was always 
planning to be a nun growing up because she wanted to be like Mother Teresa, quote for quote. She wanted to be Mother Teresa, like this 2.0 version of her. Um, you know, she bought some at a car one time that she worked with. Um, she threw baby showers, weddings, crazy events for everyone. And everyone would tell me how helpful and what a great person my mom was. Um, and behind the scenes, like my mom is not a helpful person at all. You know, like um, she would miss like all of our big events. My mom was very verbally abusive to everyone. Um, and I call this like her satanic mode. There's times when the barriers crack where she kind of love bombs you at first. So many times during childhood, she'd buy us, you know, new clothes for the school year and take us to do things and get us lunch. And then we get home and the cracks break and that like satanic, you're worthless, you're stupid, you know, falling the stairs, just shouting insults, just horrible things. Just, you know, that's when the, the appearance breaks and you get what's really behind it is just like this mean, evil person. But that's only behind closed doors, you know, it's only and maybe close friends have seen it on accident. But to the world, she is a completely different person than at home. With narcissists, the major thing is control. So, you know, with the siblings, she would always kind of put me and my sister against each other, me and my brother against each other. And my youngest brother was kind of separate. And even like with my dad, um, you know, he was a big bad guy. And when he came into town, everyone was unhappy because, you know, she just kind of changed the narratives for things. Like my dad was never actually a mean person or so like it was just manipulative things and everything like, um, she wanted us to each have our own relationships with her, but not together. So just to clarify, you know, kind of what she was doing here a little. You, so your mom was, you you know, the kernel of truth that your dad was not around a lot, mm-hmm. was able to paint a bad picture of him. So whatever she's doing, she's created this group camaraderie of an enemy. Yes, so it's something that you can all bond over or give a feeling of closeness yes with when that is actually not the truth of what is going on but your closeness is in this real family unit and it's not like it's an enemy outside the family. It's within the family. So of the parents that feel safe or the one that you're told to feel safe around yes. is the one who's actually the destructive one, which is a real conundrum for all of you. But now you have this thing that you're, you know, you can talk about behind someone's back yes um and she's created that environment and that's an interesting environment to to create because it's really confusing because all of a sudden you're going to or when he's gone you know you forgive whatever else is happening yeah because of the common enemy factor or the common a group camaraderie of of this thing and it's not that it's not just told to you you're now ingrained in it and feeling it and that's hard to separate from exactly and i think the common enemy is a like very frequently seen theme 
that my mom would create. Um, you know, if we had family friends that we got too close to, like our next door neighbors, we had a very close relationship with them. They had kids kind of in our age group and we just stopped hanging out with them at one point. And then my mom would come out with these outrageous stories about their mom and all these messed up things she's done. When in reality, this family was actually just like trying to look after her for us. And, you know, they would give us a safe place to sleep. They would take care of us if my parents had to go out of town for any reason. But this common enemy thing is so true. And even when my sister went no contact, you know, my mom tried to make her the enemy. But at the time, I already knew that my sister wasn't the enemy, you know, it's you. So I think like now, like where the breakdown comes is you realize like there's only one common enemy and it's actually her. So. So at what age did you realize that your mom wasn't who you thought she was? I think that probably around age 16 was the first time I realized my mom wasn't an amazing person. Um, And it's funny because she was kind of abusive to us for a whole childhood, but I think maybe just getting older and maturing, you realize spending more time at other people's houses, you get in relationships like this is not normal. My mom's not a very good person. So, you know, it's it's hard because you say like you have to come home and but your home doesn't really feel like a home, but that's the only support you have. So even though I knew my mom was an, an amazing person, I just kept using her as my support. So from the age of 16 until you go to college, you're at home and you're dealing with these abuses that are still going on. But when you come home after the first year, a big event happens. Uh, So walk us through this. So my first year of college, I came back home and my mom was planning some kind of event for a friend. And she had started yelling at my brother who was maybe 13 at the time, just saying like horrible, awful things like, kind of like the same things that she had said to me and my sister growing up, but I'd never seen it on my youngest brother yet. So I basically told her, this is like ridiculous, like leave him alone. And she had kicked us out um, of the house. And my dad was on a business trip at the time. So he had to come in. Like I had to find some hotel that would let an 18 year old check in. Um, He had to come home and she wouldn't let us back in the house for three days. So after that, um, I went no contact with my mom. I blocked her. Uh, my sister at that time had had her blocked, I think, maybe, or I think my sister maybe blocked her right after this event, um, like officially off of Facebook, off of social media, off of, you know, phone number, everything. And so then I blocked her. And for a whole year, we didn't have contact. Um, and then I don't think we really had any kind of relationship until the pandemic. Um, I'd gone home. And it was the worst fear ever is like going home to someone who abuses you and you haven't talked to them because you don't know. You know, I got the love bombing treatment and all these things. So we've been discussing your mom and these abuses that are going on. And she's someone that also can't be happy for you or maybe when something good happens to you she really then starts to think about herself. And this happened when you wanted to go to medical school. So walk us through this. Um, You know, I told you she grew up telling us that we grew up with her telling us that she wants to be a nun like Mother Teresa. So as soon as I told her this, she said um, that she had always wanted to be a doctor and that she had been so smart growing up. But her mother told her that she wasn't ever smart enough to go. 
And so um, it was so unfair that I got to have these opportunities when she didn't. But I don't like, I don't even know if these things make sense. Like, you know, you were a nun, you were also a model and an actress and a Broadway star. And I don't know what else you were, but I think more and more like the barriers just come down. I'm just like, who are you? I don't know who you are as a person. I don't know what your interests are. I mean, it's just hurtful. It's like, it hurts. Like my mom always called me an epith. Um, She said that I was, I could recognize moods. And I, even as a child, like I was so like emotionally in tune, but I realized that that's just because she's like abusive. And like, I just pick up on people's moods very fast because you never, like, I'm just afraid. You're hypervigilant. You're, you're, yeah. Anytime that something's wrong or like someone just seems off, like any of my friends, if like they don't text me back, like for the next motion point, I, I'm like, are you mad at me? You know, what did I do? But with her, it's like with the whole empathy thing, I grew up thinking, oh, I'm just like, I'm so emotionally in tune. But really, I'm just hypervigilant. Like you said, like any change in mood, any change of like tone of voice with someone else, like maybe they're just like tired or stressed. I immediately think it's my fault. Like I did something when it's people have their own separate lives, their own emotions going on. So eventually you do go no contact for good after another big event. So walk us through this. The major event with narcissistic abuse, like what I can, what I've gathered from like listening to the podcasts and things like that is these fights, maybe they're premeditated, but when that anger clicks, it's, you know, zero to 100. It's just off. So we were watching a movie and I don't know if you're familiar with like revision and affirmations and things like that. Like I practice that a lot and my dad's gotten into it as well. So I was telling her about um, how I've been doing this and like revising the past as in like, you know, saying like I have kind of social anxiety. So I was saying like, oh, I've always been like a really outgoing person. I've always had relationships easy and like this worked for me. And dad said it's like been helpful for him, like trying to fix those like the heal the inner child and maybe you should try it. And she just looked me point blank in the eye and was like, well, you ruined my relationship with my family. So I can't fix anything in my life. And I was like what? Like, how did I do anything? And then she basically just goes on this rant, telling me she hates me. She doesn't care if she ever sees me again. Um, I ruined her life, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just texted her, you know, I love you from upstairs. Love you, but I can't do this anymore. And I blocked her number. And the next morning I left and I haven't talked to her since. So. So when it comes to your older sister, how has your relationship with her been since you've gone no contact? And what are some of the issues that you've had with life or relationships because of how you were raised? So um, in terms of my sister, so my sister had a very different relationship with my mom, which I think is kind of important to understand why she went no contact. So out of the blue. So my mom was very unstable when she had my brother and my sister. So they were left at my grandparents' house a lot. And so they really didn't have any attachment during the important years of development. Um, my brother is kind of, I don't really know how to describe him. He's just very emotionally detached. But my sister is very motherly figure. And a lot of the times I got mad at her during my childhood was just her trying to be helpful and her trying to be a real mom like so like with my sister with her side is there were so many lies starting from early childhood like her father my mom said that he was abusive and he was a addict of some kind 
and he actually passed away during my sister's childhood. So she never had the opportunity to have any kind of relationship with him. And I think that really hurt her because when she looks back now and realizes these were all lies, then she, you know, missed any opportunity to have that relationship with her father. So I think that kind of hit her in early adulthood. And then um, an event happened with my sister's kids and my mom. My sister at that point decided to not talk to her anymore. So now, like, my sister and I have found kind of comfort in each other looking back at these stories and saying, hey, you know, this was really messed up. And my sister said, you know, in her own relationships, I've had to look back. Becoming a mom, I've had to really reflect on what it means to be a mom and how to support my children, how to be kind to my children. You know, it's almost like you're overanalyzing everything when you grow up in that situation because you don't want to make any similar mistakes. So for her, no contact was the best option. Um, so when it came to me, she never told me like why she chose to do non-contact, but she had known for years that my mom um, was some kind of, you know, she, she was a narcissist basically. And with narcissists, like she looked into it a lot and she told me, you know, I never told you this because the only way to heal from a narcissist is to do no contact, truthfully, because 99% of the time they're not going to change and, you know, they don't even see an issue H.G. Tudor was saying, you know, they're incapable of feeling empathy. They just know infatuation. They don't know love. And I think that was kind of like touched me and said, that's why I reached out to my sister. And I said, I don't think I'm going to ever talk to her again. And she just kind of supported me. Even coming on this podcast, she supported me. And I think doing no contact together has really strengthened our relationship because we're trying to find some sense of normal in our own lives. And so on the relationships part of it, um, with her, like with her husband, you know, finding ways to relate to your kids and to not control them, to not be abusive in any way. You know, you try to be healthy where you're almost too healthy because you don't want to let them do whatever, but you also don't want to control every aspect of their lives like my mom kind of did. So like my relationships now, I'm looking back on self-destructive behaviors that I've probably exhibited since around age 16 when I first started dating you know I like to push people away I don't actually trust people's true intentions and so now I have to understand that there are people that are good that you know like love is possible it's not people just manipulating you and trying to get something out of you if they show interest in you so I think that's definitely like the most important my most important key takeaways like not everyone is just with me to manipulate me or to um I don't know like I guess control me like my mom, like I thought for so long that like there's no way like someone has a happy relationship or a happy family. But I think seeing my sister is like extremely impactful because she has a happy family. She has a healthy marriage. And so it is possible to grow up with a narcissistic, abusive parent and to kind of flip the switch and change and change those behaviors. And your relationship with your younger brother does he resent you for leaving? He doesn't. Um, I think he kind of has the same plan when he turns 18. Um, I can't really speak on like what his exact plan is, but I know that he has already recognized these behaviors for a long time and his relationship is really poor with my mom. So I don't think he's resentful. Like even coming on this podcast, I asked him, is this okay with you? How do you feel about this? And, you know, he said it's a great idea. I think that, you know, it's important to share your stories because, even talking to you and my sister about it made me as a young adult realize these things aren't okay. And that when I turn 18, I can't 
deal with this either. So it just kind of sucks for him that he's stuck with it for another year. But I think at the end of that year, he's going to have more freedom when it comes to choosing who he has contact with. So how are you doing and how is your healing process going? As of now, I'm doing a lot better. Um, I'm not saying that like you ever, I don't know, maybe it's possible to completely heal. I don't know if I'm completely healed, but I recognize that, you know, there's a life outside of this and watching my sister um, get married and have children and her children being happy and her being involved and being a really good mom. It gives me hope that, you know, I can do this too. And I don't have to continue this generational abuse and trauma. And, you know, I don't want to ever have my kids feel like shut out from everyone else. And I don't know. I just, I think that there's hope out there. And I think narcissistic abuse is really hard to identify, especially when you're growing up with it. Um, And even relationships like my dad, for example, I don't think he ever realized until recent years that he was in, in an abusive relationship, but I think that there's hope and I think that things get better and no contact is the best contact in situations like this. And if you had any words of wisdom or advice for others listening, what would it be? Um, That if you grew up like this, like recognize the patterns, speak to your siblings or anyone else who was in that situation with you, um, get out and just cut off contact because 99% of the time they're not going to change and they're unwilling to change and they're unable to change. So the best thing you can do is just shape, you know, recognize the behaviors, change the behaviors and um, stop the generational abuse and trauma. Well, Ollie, I really want to thank you for being a guest on our show today. You did a great job telling your story and really explaining who your mom is and how the dynamics in your family were because of everything that was going on. And I'm happy that you have a relationship with your older sister. And it sounds like you're going to be having a relationship with your brother, most likely when he is uh, out of the house. So I really want to thank you for being a guest with us today. Thank you. Well, thank you once again. And if you want to be a guest like Ollie was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also at our website, we have our very own support group. So when you go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our support group page. It's our very own safe social network. And there you will see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon, and Saturday night. We also have forum boards for you to post on there to get the validation that you need and to give validation to other survivors too. It's a great group of people on there. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org at DomesticShelters.org. They have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are going through. It is a free resource. They have every phone number, email address, and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you are in. DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a great organization. And that is it for today's episode. So for myself and Ollie, we hope 
you have a good night.